Good morning. It's nice to see you all here. It's the biggest crowd we've seen in probably two months. So that's a good thing. Sounds like school is almost back in, and here we are back at it as a community. In one of her sermons at General Convention this year, our presiding bishop generated a great deal of chatter and some heat by remarking that one of the great heresies of the West, and indeed the Western Church, is the notion of individual salvation. Now, as you can imagine, that raised the ire of some of our evangelical sisters and brothers. What did she mean by that, they asked. What do we talk about when we say that Jesus is our personal Lord and Savior, after all? The problem, as we discussed her words more deeply, is not the words of accepting Jesus as personal Lord and Savior, but it's what we mean by the word personal and how we hear it in our context. Because most of us good Westerners, and indeed most of us good Americans, here in the West, hear personal as private. It's a little bit like that sign, I think it's down here at Citibank, that says if you open up your private account and then you find a handful of friends and family to open up accounts and you've referred them, you get an extra $100 in your account. Is that the way the salvation game works? I open up my personal salvation account with God and then I go out and find a handful of souls to save and I get a little bit of bonus at the end of the day. That's the heresy. And that's the heresy that's spoken to in today's readings, particularly this beautiful reading from the book of Joshua. And Joshua is not a beautiful book, if you read it. It's a book filled with violence and wars and bloodbaths. But this is a beautiful passage, and in it is one of my favorite phrases in all of Scripture. And that is, as for me and my household, as for me and my household. What is it about choice for us in the West? The great quest to be in control of our lives, the ability to choose. In our world, money buys choice. Education gets choice. But you know, the older I get, the more I realize how contingent my choices really are. They're contingent not only on my limited version and vision of the world, they are contingent on the choices of so many around me. They are contingent on the choices of those who have come before me. We struggle for control, but we forget how easily small choices made long ago have profound and unforeseen consequences on the direction of our lives much later. It could be argued that our lives are a string of choices, 
linked together and mutually interdependent. Some of our choices are moral, some are indifferent. Some have enormous impact, others little. But our ability to see the difference between what choices are moral and what choices are indifferent, our ability to see that difference is severely hindered by who we are as human beings. And most of us who have lived very long learn very quickly that our choices turn out to have consequences that we never intended. And despite every advance in our civilization, we continue to live in a universe where so much is out of our control, even the outcomes of our best choices. As for me and my household, Joshua says, a choice? Yes, a choice. Choose this day, he tells the people. But he's telling them, don't just choose on your own as individuals. Joshua knows that the choices that they are about to make have a huge impact on who they will be as a people, whether they will even be a people anymore, whether they will be able to build a nation, whether they will be able to survive in the promised land. Joshua knows his choices only really matter, and the choices of his household only really matter if they are consonant with the choices of the greater people, if they are consonant with their shared heritage together of Exodus if they turn towards a God who has given them life, and only if they turn to that God together. If they splinter into a hundred or a thousand individual choices, they will cease to be a people. They will never be able to build that nation together in a new land. Now, many of you know the challenges of living in households of multiple faiths. Happily, we are taught to value difference in our culture, to find diversity of many kinds invigorating and enriching to our lives. Few of us, God be praised, hold to the strict and indeed violent ways purity was maintained in Joshua's day. But we also know that even in the most pluralistic and diverse household, we must hold some common values, a core of shared truths that keep us together in community. For me, that is the best of what is meant by, as for me and my household. The Israelites were always a diverse people, too. But what mattered to their shared identity as a household of faith was that they held in common, in the midst of their diversity, their one God. And that is where Joshua most speaks to us this day.
Turning to the gospel for a moment, Peter's choice is not simply the choice of an individual either. For the earliest audience of John's version of the gospel, Peter represents the proto-church, the faithful founders who stuck close with Christ, even as a world questioned their choices with disdain, and sometimes even persecution. Peter's choice is the choice of the twelve apostles, and therefore the choice of the early church, and it is simple, but it is not simplistic. When Jesus asks if he too will leave, Peter responds, to whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. Even if Jesus' Eucharistic teaching remains enigmatic and somewhat offensive, it holds a promise of hope that shines light into an otherwise dark world. Peter's words echo the choices that we have, the commitments that hold this Christian household together, the commitments that keep us together through thick and thin, and our choice to stay loyal to those commitments. It's a string of choices like that amid a contingent life that God's faithful in every generation join with the communion of saints. These are they who have recognized in their own times the value of covenant, that refusal to walk away from their God, even in difficult times. It's the stuff we see in our most hallowed friendships and relationships. It's the choice to remain. An insistence on the integrity of me and my household an integrity of that to our God, even when the going gets rough, even when we know we're not in control of outcomes. That commitment to follow after God in Christ, even when we're unsure of where Christ is leading us. To acknowledge together that we are not ultimately in control, but we covenant to go together after the one who is called Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. This day we have this, the privilege to celebrate again a marriage that began with vows like that before that same God 50 years ago. We celebrate it not simply for Kitty and Scott and their family, but for the witness of faith it represents in a world of choices. It's a Christian witness for the spiritual power of that phrase, as for me and my household, for all of us who live in community, married or not, young folk and old, rich, poor, and in between. By virtue of their vows, Kitty and Scott are a household, if I may be so bold. Fifty years has borne that out. Like all couples, they made a choice decades ago to join together to become something more than simply a couple. Remember that the community of marriage is like greater community. It is more than simply individuals sharing a common life. 
Their life together reflects the life of the greater household of God, Christ and the church together, where we are so much more than the sum of our individual parts. As time passes, Kitty and Scott reckoned more clearly in the chances and strange turns of this life that what really matters is the foundational choice of navigating life together. Marriage didn't necessarily give them control, but it gave them something much more important, the abundant grace that comes through relationship. Relationship is about relinquishing some degree of our limited control for the more intangible but substantive spirit-filled goods of love, of faith, and even new and transformed life. This day we also embrace another choice, one mutually made between Willie Van Doren, our new youth minister, our young people, and the search committee who worked with me to call him here. And we pray God too. This is yet another commitment that will be more than the sum of its parts. With his new leadership, our epic youth group hopes to strive and thrive to become a greater community. One where the false notions of individual control and salvation give way to mutual trust, friendship in the gospel, respect, and the salvation that comes with a transformed life in community. When we follow after Christ, not as individuals, but together as a household. So as time passes, we reckon more clearly the full import of the choice of Peter, and a handful of disciples in the first century. The choice of our spiritual ancestors, our sisters and brothers who still, through story, prayer, and sacrament, remain near us. We reckon that we are not individuals, atomized and fragmented, but persons, persons who find their identity in community. We are a household together, the household of God, working to build new life with our Creator. We have indeed come together by choice, but we move forward together by grace. We celebrate that grace today as we remember why we are here because God in Christ Jesus has for us together the words of eternal life. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing, welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 
1-800-388-1907 or visit us online at OurSaviorMV.org That's O-U-R-S-A-V-I-O-U-R-M-V for Mill Valley dot org We wish you God's peace and we hope to be able to greet you in person very soon.